This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast. Yes, we're back after the final international break of 2019 for more Southampton FC chat. On this week's podcast, we'll be reflecting on Saints' visit to the Emirates and the agonising 2 all draw versus Arsenal. We'll also look ahead to the Watford game at St Mary's, which has looked must-win for a few weeks now. It's all right, he's left the pod now. And yes, speaking of Adam, who sadly said his goodbyes to the Daily Echo after 18 years, we've also got 30 minutes of highs, lows and everything in between from him. With Steve on the other side of the world watching England play cricket in New Zealand, it's Lucy, Glenn and myself for your listening pleasure this episode. Um, Lucy, it feels like only the other day I asked you uh, about enjoying the international break and uh, here we are again. So uh, have you had a good couple of uh, weeks off? I have to say after that Everton game, I was just really looking forward to it. So yeah, it's been great. Um, Although I did sprain my knee quite badly, so I haven't actually done a lot. Drunk again. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I hope not. It was only like 10.30 in the morning, so... (laughs) Well, you never know, do you? I mean, thanks, Ben. Well, um, no, I mean, the, the, the song of the last uh, episode was around Chumbawamba's tub thumping about drinking all types of drinks, wasn't it? I think we're all doing that. Uh, no, I was perfectly sober, but <laughs> yes, it's not been, not been great. Um, no. But it was quite nice to have a break from the football um, after all the negativity following Everton. And um, it looks like the players put it to good use, so that's, that's always positive. It does indeed, doesn't it? We'll have a, a chat about that in a moment. And uh, Glenn, I mean, that's it for international football now for a few months, so uh, instead it's the long, busy sort of club run-up through Christmas and the New Year now then. No respite. I used to hate the international break because, you know, there was no Saints game to look forward to. But for some reason this season it's become quite an enjoyable time. <laughs> uh, not, not, not having a game to worry about, but... Yeah, I mean, we're in the business end of things now, aren't we? I mean, the next, the next few games are ones we, it's no good just putting in decent performances. We've got to pick up some points. Um, exactly. Otherwise, it's going to be like a 
the famous Steve Wigley season where <laughs> we used up all the winnable games and then we were stuck. So, uh, yeah, we have to pick up points. Um, now, earlier in the week, uh, Patreon were running their Thank You Patrons hashtag day on the 19th of November. Alongside our social media posts acknowledging that and uh, thanking you all, I just wanted to reaffirm vocally on this episode how much you patrons mean to us and the support you give us. So uh, another big TSP thank you. Since last podcast, we've had a, a new patron sign up. So thank you very much to you specifically, Barry Wright, for joining the fold. It's very, very much appreciated, Barry. Um, and thanks also to current patron Nick Reed. Nick will know exactly why I'm thanking him. Uh, you're a very generous star, Nick. So thank you. Finally, alongside mentioning Patreon patrons, as Matt Lomas rightly reminded us, a big congratulations to recent Total Recalls Antiniemi and Finland for qualifying for Euro 2020, their very first ever Euros qualification. Okay, let's get on with it. Sponsored as committedly as ever by Happy Hot Tubs and partnered with saintsarchive.com and saintsworld.co.uk, this is TSP92. Me? I could never own a hot tub. Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs. Happyhottubs.co.uk after a couple of weeks off, in adverted commas, Ralph Hasenhutl took his Saints side up to the Emirates this weekend, with the game eventually finishing in a two-all draw. Lucy, part of me wants to sort of cry and say typical Saints with the uh, last-minute equalising blow, but uh, a bigger part of me actually wants to sort of be positive about how well Saints played for the 90 minutes. Yeah, it was a really good performance, which I don't know if does that makes the draw worse. Yeah, we'd have taken it beforehand, out, yeah. wouldn't we? So I know it didn't Absolutely, happen. Absolutely, yeah, we would have. And I, I was surprised by how good we were, um, mm. how many chances we created, um, and how positive we looked after kind of quite a deflating performance before the international break. Um, I thought whatever had been, you know, shared and communicated over the um, international break had clearly gone down well. Um, and we went back to a different approach, a kind of more forward thinking approach. Took the handbrake off a bit, I thought, yeah. um, which was, I think is quite brave because Arsenal, for all the problems at the moment, those are well documented. Uh, they do have kind of a very, very good forward line, probably one of the best in the league. Mm. And, and I think there's something quite brave and quite admirable in going front foot. I know people will say that's the only way we'll ever win games because we can't defend. But, you know, I think a lot of teams would go to Arsenal and play quite cagey and, and probably get found out in the end. So um, no, I, I was really encouraged, but also, as always, quite frustrated. But I guess that's the way of supporting things at the moment. It is. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say for the moment. I'd say since 1885, but uh, there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I must say, uh, Glenn, I, I was um, sort of thinking that they do very similar to what they've done at Man City, which is sort of uh, after the disappointment of Everton, go and sort of sit back and uh, frustrate and try and come away with a nil-nil or something like that. But actually, you know, as, as sort of Lucy said as well, it's a mixture of sort of gutting and encouraging, but finally some spirit and fight, Shane. Yeah, well, I think Ralph picked a team basically to attack Arsenal's weakness. Um, as Lucy said, they've got a world-class forward line. They've got an average midfield and a very poor defence. So he picked a team to sort of go at that defence and put it under pressure. And uh, you can play differently against Arsenal than against Manchester City, where you have to line up players along the back and just keep it tight. Um, and I thought for Ralph, it was a very, very good day, mm. a very positive day. I think everything he did was correct. Um, and there's there's no fingers pointed at him for... Uh, 
for us not getting the result at the end of the day because he doesn't miss the open goal from five yards, does he? Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, it's very frustrating. I, I thought we were actually going to hang on. You know, mm. I, I, I genuinely thought, because Arsenal were in a mess as well, I, I just genuinely thought we were going um, we to hang on. So it was uh, predictable that we didn't, but nonetheless, still very, very disappointing that we didn't. Yeah, yeah it's funny, isn't it? Because it felt... Like often in those situations, you do feel like Saints are hanging, mm. but they didn't didn't really seem like that. You know, people no. were like, "Yeah, come on, we can get the third. It, it felt very much like we were on the front foot. So I think it made it all the more gutting when when it didn't go to plan. Well, yeah. I, I think Ralph Ralph thought we were going to get the third as well because when he made the final sub, I was thinking, "Bring Romeo on, you know, yep. with two one up, just yeah, just yeah, kick everything." And he brings Bufal on because he obviously thought he can get us the third goal. Mm. And to be fair, it was, it was the right substitution because he did create two wonderful chances. Yep. And mm. we, sh- we, you know, we should have buried the game, but, uh, and, and I think we've spoken before, Glenn, haven't we, over the, the years, you, you know, on the pod about the fact that we've had managers before, you think of the likes of Pellegrino, quite defensive. So he'd bring on players to sort of shore up at the back in a position like that, and then you'd concede and that would frustrate. Whereas actually, I guess the positive element of you says, as you say, at least Ralph was going for it and thought, well, we can get a third and a fourth here and really rub it in their noses. And I know it was frustrating to let one at the end, but it wasn't like we'd brought two or three centre-backs on and we were literally sitting back and inviting 10, 15 minutes of pressure. No, I, like I say, I, I think he did the right thing. Arsenal can't score if we've got the ball up their end of the pitch. Mm. Um, our midfield controlled the game really well yesterday and we created problems for them whenever we went forward. Um, yeah. It was definitely right to keep attacking the Arsenal weakness until the final whistle. Yeah. But yeah, our Achilles heel in defence uh, came back to bite us again. It did. And uh, Lucy, I mean, just jumping ahead, I was going to bring this up at the end, but as, as we're talking about Ralph, um, you know, you could quite clearly see at the end that he still very, very much cares because I think there's been some questions around that from some fans about whether he, uh, he, you know, really does or not. But I think most importantly, we spoke about it in the last podcast, whether he'd lost the dressing room. Um, I think that's evidence yesterday, absolutely, that that is a team that is still very, very much behind doing and uh, playing for the manager. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was kind of one of the most encouraging things about it is that whatever has been said behind the scenes during the international break, it seems to be being kind of galvanising mm. and, and they seem to be kind of back on the same hymn sheet. And as Glenn said, I don't think you could criticise Hasenhutl for the result yesterday. I don't think he did anything wrong. No. He can't legislate for the fact that we can't seem to finish anything. And I think from a fan perspective, there's been situations in the last few weeks where we've almost felt like they didn't give themselves a chance mm. either through kind of strange selection or or through kind of negative play. And and the fact that that seems to have changed is really encouraging. Yeah. Um, of course, the only problem is that I think we've had moments like this earlier in the season where we felt really encouraged and then we haven't backed this up the following week. So I think now that we've ridden through the tough fixtures, it's going to be the situation now with kind of a run of four or five games where you need to continue that positivity and actually make these chances and opportunities count because otherwise it's going to get very uncomfortable very quickly. Quite right. And uh, I mean, what did you make of Obafemi starting? So I think that probably, uh, as, as Glenn sort of mentioned, uh, Lucy, with Romeo dropping, um, it was interesting, I thought, because it you know, seemed like we had a bit more pace and a bit more creativity in midfield without Romeo, although I think he's been one of our better players this season. But bringing Obafemi in as well, um, as Glenn said, taking the pace to Arsenal, that sort of thing, but maybe a surprising move ahead of the likes of Buffal and Gineppo. I don't really know what to, to make of it. It wasn't what I'd expected, but I, I think he played well. And I think that kind of curveball, if you like, is always a good move to have up your sleeve, just yeah. because I think, as you said, I'm sure Arsenal wouldn't have expected him to play. And, and his pace did make them very uncomfortable. Um, I mean, it doesn't take a great deal to make the Arsenal defence uncomfortable. But um, no, no, he definitely had had good moments in that game. And I think it's really encouraging for, from Ralph's 
perspective because I think he felt a few weeks ago he didn't really have many attacking options and, and to have him as a kind of another choice it is a, a good thing going forward the only con- kind of confusing thing for me is that we've had different opportunities for Ralph to kind of mix things up from an attacking perspective and, and we still haven't seen Adams come back um, and he kind of have been left out in the cold because yeah. we even had Long up here and and no Adams and it, I think I'll find it's that strange a bit one. It's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, just because he was he was meant to be the priority this summer and they mm. spent quite a lot of time negotiating for his transfer and it now seems that I don't know if it, there's a kind of a personal issue going on because mm. we we've, we've kind of had rumours of other players having personal issues with the manager mm. or, or whether there's something kind of more to it. But it is a bit of a concern for me just in terms that we don't have a lot of money um, and and we seem to have spent a, another fairly significant sum as far as our transfer funds are concerned yeah. on a player that now doesn't really get near the team. And I just hope that over the festive period that might change a little bit when the games start to stack up a little bit and maybe Danny Ings has to be managed a bit more. But As you yeah. say, you don't want him to, to sort of lose uh, confidence in him, his abilities either because, yeah, the longer he's left out in the cold to a certain extent, then it's going to play on his uh, mind, I'm sure. But, uh, no, I mean, from one striker to another, Glenn, um, just focusing on the, the goals from Saints' point of view, um, another goal for Danny Ings. Um, I know you're a big fan of Ryan Bertrand. I uh, must say, as I've always mentioned, from an attitude point of view, I've uh, always questioned it, but technically absolutely and some great quick thinking from him six in the Premier League now for Danny Ings although incredibly I saw the stat yesterday that probably lots of Saints fans have which is uh, in all the games that he scored this season now six different games Saints haven't won any of them yeah that's not his fault though is it <laughs> <laughs> you know, do it his bit he, yeah. All, yeah all he can do is stick the ball in the net if the um if the guys up the other end of the pitch can't keep him out, then uh, yeah, he can't really do much more, can he? Um, no, it was a, a really good bit of thinking from Bertrand, obviously, and and Ings took took the goal so well, um, yeah. you know, just directly running at the goal. It sounds so simple, but so often, you know, you see players try and jink past the last defender or take the goalkeeper on or something mm-hmm. like that, and it, it's just no, I'm going straight for the goal and I'm sticking it in the bottom corner, and yeah. and that's it, and that's a guy in confidence. I mean, you talk about Adams. Adams wouldn't have scored that. No. He just, he just wouldn't. He would have taken an extra touch and he would have lost it. And that's, you know, no, I, didn't, uh, I didn't really mean Adams over Ings. It's just interesting that we no, kind of try no. different players, but we don't but ever seem to try Adams anymore. It's the confidence thing, isn't mm. it? It's Adams has played whatever he's played eight games and never looked like scoring. Mm. So you, you can't keep on picking him. Um, I understand what, what you're saying about you know spending money on him and stuff like that, but uh, I think they've just got to bring him back in gradually. Um, yeah. But no, Danny Ings is, you know, I've said at the start of the season that he, I'm blowing my own trumpet here, that he, <laughs> he is he is still our best striker. Yeah. Um, he, he will be a very good player for us this year if he stays fit. And so far, thank God, he has stayed fit. And probably one of the players, Glenn, that, you know, probably the only player, I think, um, that's probably in credit so far this season for Saints, you, you know, in terms of playing regularly, sort of 7, 8 out of 10. Yeah, if, if player of the season was decided tomorrow, he'd win it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is you know there wouldn't be anyone else who's consistently been anywhere near him this season. He probably gets second and third as well, I think. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, obviously um, for the second goal, then uh, penalty. It's nice to see a, a penalty given to an away team at uh, top six side. Lucy, I think we we're probably all shocked to get the decision in the first place. But look, I must say, uh, I'm sure uh, we all uh, send our congratulations to James Ward-Prowse on finally reaching 250 Premier League appearances. Um, Good to see him following in on the penalty and maybe a bit of luck that we've been due for a little while with that rebounding to him. And, and uh, I think there was a Ronaldo celebration at the end of it, just to cap it all. Incredible. It's not the first time he's done that celebration. And I, I feel 
I'm not sure it's a wise one, given that he hasn't really played very well, if we're honest. Maybe Ronaldo's been doing Prousey celebrations all this time. Maybe. For the other 400 and whatever goals he scored. I think yeah. Ronaldo ploughs his own furrow, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, good to see him following in, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. I think when you, you make a point of being a set-piece specialist, and you're not scoring penalties, and I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I get really, really. Yeah, good. I mean, the penalty was rubbish, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was. Someone of his technical ability, I just expect yeah. quite a lot more. I think he got quite lucky. Yeah, I think yeah. again, that could have been a VAR decision that went against us. So again, well done VAR. Well done. <laughs> That's about our 948,000th decision yeah. this season. So yeah. it was good because that, that referee, that referee was Stuart Atwell, who was the one who gave us nothing. When we Man United we last old, season, wasn't it? Man United yeah, last season. Right. So. For him to give it and then VAR to uphold it yeah. was quite amazing, really. Yeah. And then yeah. playing a one-two off the keeper wasn't the best way to go about it, but it's um, <laughs> a goal's a goal. Also, <laughs> yeah, also. <laughs> what, what is it they say when you look in the paper today? It's still going to say Prowse seventy-one or something, isn't it? But yeah. uh, look, I mean, we sp- we spoke the other week, Lucy, didn't we, about the fact that other than Ings, no one was scoring. That's now two and what three, four games for for Prowse as well. So I know it was penalty. I know it was lucky, but we've spoken about it. At least if we can try and get some other players scoring some goals, if we can get two or three goals a game, we got much more chance of uh, winning, bearing in mind, as Glenn said, we can't keep clean sheets at the other. Yeah, definitely. I can't believe Gineppo didn't score from that almost oh. open goal. Um, yeah. no. So I think there are going to be other opportunities for other players. And, and as you said, like Buffal was creating opportunities as well. So that's, mm. that's good. I think now that he's got a full squad to choose from, and he was quite clear about that and he was very positive about it, um, we should hopefully see a little bit more because, as you said, we can't keep depending on Danny Ings, particularly given that the festive fixture list is never very easy and, and a player with his record probably needs to be quite carefully managed. So, yeah, very important that midfield players start chipping in even if they do miss penalties. <laughs> um, and 21 efforts on goal, Glenn. I mean, away from home, we've spoken the last few years about the fact that Saints you know, create three or four chances or never have a shot on target and that sort of thing. So... As you say, I know that Arsenal's defence is uh, arguably it's as bad as ours, which is incredible to think. But uh, 21 efforts on goal for Saints. And I mean, I know it was a last minute rewrite for Adam, which was a bit of a way to go. But um, as you say, plenty of positives to take from it. Yeah, I, I think all the efforts on goal, it just it just adds to the, you know, the general positive nature um, that the team went out there with. Mm. Um, you know, because it's it's very easy not to pull the trigger when you're down the bottom of the league and you're, you're not feeling confident. But Everyone was having a go. Um, I mean, in addition to the, the 21 efforts, we had the, the Cedric Oberfemi thing as well. Phenomenal crossing. Horrific. <laughs> Steve's, Just... in, Steve's in New Zealand at the moment, but I had oh. to send him a, a picture this morning. And someone had tweeted uh, they'd circled phenomenal crossing um, from that article the other day <laughs> and then a picture next to it of Cedric phenomenal cross across to yeah. Oberfemi. So, and I don't even want to mention that both goals came down inside as well, but there we go. Well, he didn't, he didn't stop a single cross coming into the box all game, did he? I, I think mean, he has one... his career. No, I mean the one where Pepe hit the bar as well. That mm. that was another one that came from his side. Yeah, and, you know there was so many. Yeah. Um, talk about the team selection. He was the only one that I looked at and thought I just wouldn't pick him. No. I, I know Jan Valery's not the best at the moment, and he's certainly probably not the best in a flat back four. But I don't know what Cedric was doing out there yesterday. Yeah. And uh, you know against Everton, he was dreadful. Got hooked at half time. Um, yeah. But yeah, that pass to Oberfemi will will stay with me forever. I think. <laughs> I I just and just finally, Lucy, I don't want to end on a negative, but I know we've been talking a lot about the goalkeeping situation and a little bit frustrated, a bit like the Man City away game that again McCarthy's had a bit of a flap at that one in the end and almost taken it away from uh, Bertrand because again that's going to dent his confidence with a couple of times it's happened in the last few games and you kind of want him to come out there and punch it or catch it and be a bit more decisive and confident maybe. Yeah, probably. 
I don't really know what to say on our keepers anymore. They're, no. they're not that great, and it's difficult to kind of say anything constructive about them. So mm. I kind of try to avoid avoid talking about them really. Um, <laughs> it's like choosing the yeah, least no, worst, isn't it? I yeah, it's just not very fun. Um, so <laughs> I just it's a bit like the general are. election we got. <laughs> yeah, it is, a little it's bit. Exactly like it's that, a yeah. bit like. Yeah, our yeah. own Corbyn and Boris back there, but uh, the lesser look, of two evils. Let's end on a positive. Look, I think it's important for the Saints lads when they're coming into training, whether it's earlier today, Sunday, or tomorrow morning, Monday, Lucy, to come in with their heads held high. They had a good performance, you know, on another day would have got the points. So, from a confidence point of view, important that they come in and Ralph sort of keeps them their momentum going this week. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't do a lot wrong. I mean, they still well, can't really defend very well, but they didn't do a lot wrong. And I think if they play as well as they did yesterday, they will do fine in the coming weeks and possibly get the kind of points tally we probably need. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But yeah, I think as long as they maintain that positivity and maintain that enthusiasm and high pressing hunger, which we haven't seen for a few weeks, I think I think they'll be all right. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, over the last 18 and a half seasons, I think you'll agree there's been quite a few changes in and around Saints. Club ownership has swapped hands on several occasions. Chairmen have entered, then moved on. Numerous managers have arrived, then exited. Hundreds of players have joined, then left. A new training facility has been developed. Someone stole our black box. Relegations have been suffered. Promotions celebrated. And clackers and fire have made regular appearances at home games. There's no doubt in it's been a roller coaster throughout. And one man who's remained consistent through all of that, like a beacon of reliability in an ever-changing sea of uncertainty, has been the Daily Echo's chief sports writer, Adam Leach. But sadly, not any longer. Adam? Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I'm gone. In fact, we're recording this obviously pre-Arsenal, but when the pod comes out post-Arsenal, I will be gone. Yeah, so it feels weird and surreal right now. You know, I'm 38 years old and I've been at the Echo 20 years, so my entire adult working life and obviously the vast majority of that covering Saints as well. So to uh, not have that consistency or certainty is a really huge thing, but I think the time is is right for a change, as hard as, hard as it feels to do it. I've not been working full time at the Echo for for a number of years now because I've wanted to to do other things that that interest me as well, um, various projects and freelance stuff, and obviously the podcast as well, which all all takes time. So uh, yeah, and just one of those people that I've I've done some work for, it's kind of developed and. Yeah, so I've agreed to move permanently and my new job, I'm going to be working for a a company called Super League Triathlon. Um, They put on some pretty amazing professional triathlon races. Um, If you want to see any of them, because they're uh, they're sort of short, sharp races, they're not two, three, four hours. They're they're packaged for an hour on TV. They're They're in the archive on Sport and iPlayer, the recent ones, and they'll be live on BBC next year. Yeah, so I'm going to work for them as the head of communications, basically. And I I think those who know me well know I'm obviously very passionate about triathlon. Uh, I'm also passionate about spreading the word about it because I believe it's a really life changing and life enhancing sport and, uh, you know, a fantastic welcoming community of people um, just generally across the sport like like I've never found in any other sport. And so um, I'm very, very glad and I couldn't I couldn't leave if I didn't feel it was something interesting or exciting or that I was 
not passionate about, and I, I don't know how it will go. Uh, obviously, I've not got a crystal ball. It could all be a pile of, um, you know what, and all be over in a year. But I, I feel like it's the right time to make a change, both probably personally, uh, but also with the way my industry's going as well. And so it's taken a long time and a lot of thought and a lot of soul searching, but uh, I've decided to to make uh, the sort of leap into the dark, as it were, and try and put on my big boy pants and be brave. Look, we're not going to talk much about the Echo specifically, Adam, because I know there's been a lot going on over the, the years, and I think uh, it'd be unfair to put you on the spot about that. But just briefly, if, if I remember correctly, when you and I were at Barton Peveril 20 years ago, which makes me feel even older, I think it was an opportunity where you got some work experience through the course that you were doing, and it kind of snowballed from there into a career. Is that right? Yeah, I guess it's a sort of a, a one of those persistence and luck some people say you make your own luck and that's true but you still need a break and I uh, yes got some work experience there and then when I started there I I only wanted to do sport I didn't really have any interest in the news side of things Mm. but sort of traditional journalism was that basically the people on the sports desk it wasn't seen at that point in time as specialists you had to go on news and then basically once you're you know you were retired out of news you could go and work on sport which I never understood because I always thought it was a specialist area obviously things have changed dramatically now in the growth of sport has been so huge um, that actually it is a specialist area now but yeah so I I went there and I was doing uh, work experience and then kind of just took any opportunity I could to go back and cover under 16s game or an under 18s game or, or whatever it may be um, and that was sort of attached to Saints at the time as well and yeah and then basically I was due to go to university after we finished college I, I had a place and at that exact moment in time uh, somebody left the Echo Sports team and it was what was called a sports desk assistant it wasn't even a journalist job it was kind of ordering the stationery on £8,000 a year <laughs> and uh I thought, well, you know what, I'll give it a go, see what it's like, and I'll defer my university place. I kind of got to the end of the year, and I guess like many workplaces, if you want to do more and you want to try harder and do more work, people don't tend to stop you. Yeah. And so I was just doing a lot more, and it got to the point where I had to basically say, look, I've been doing this for a year. I can't keep on. I'm basically a full-time writer now. Um, I need uh, to be trained, basically, or I'm going to have to go. So the Echo put me on their traineeship scheme. I got sent shipped up to Darlington, bizarrely of all nice. places, for six months. Did my qualifications, came back. Uh, a couple of people were leaving, and so I, I covered Portsmouth for a year uh, in the weird time when when because uh, I covered Portsmouth for a year at the time that Neil Allen at the news was covering Saints for them, which is a, and then obviously we both ended up doing the uh, opposite clubs. Yeah. And yeah, I literally had done Portsmouth for a year when a whole heap of people just left. And I still to this day don't really know whether anybody had any great faith that I should be doing Saints or not, um, because I think I was completely unprepared for it. But I think it was me or nobody just because I was there. And everybody else, lots of other people had left who were other people who might have done it. So I got asked if I would do it. I was 21 years old, uh, which is the youngest Uh, anybody's been to do saints for the echo and i said yeah i'll do it it was a pretty rocky first couple of years but then all this time later it's been mad really that you know life goes by in the blink of an eye doesn't it sometimes and it's uh so that's how it all started and it's certainly been a yeah an absolute roller coaster since then 
Look, I mean, we could talk all night about um, how the journeys evolved during that time and how you built up relationships with the club and some of the people at the club. But I guess for people that listen, people like me that want to know the goss and the, the juicy bits, Adam, um, some of the lows maybe during your time before we get onto the highs, some of, you know, I'd, I'd love to know who you found the toughest manager to work alongside and things like that. So what's been some of the sort of most challenging moments of doing that job with Saints? Well, I mean, in a general sense, it's always more challenging when they're doing badly. And unfortunately, <laughs> there's been a fair bit of that. That's always hard because you're obviously writing things that people don't want to read um, them, about themselves as well. And, you know, in those sort of relationships with managers and players because they are and chairman because they're, they're critical. Times in general obviously can be tough, like, for example, administration um, was a was a hard time for everybody, obviously. Mm. But it was also a, a fairly taxing thing to cover and to try and cover well and cover responsibly and then you're you've got your personal relationship so how you get on with the manager I mean, my job my biggest contact I guess has always been uh, the manager though even that has evolved in the way that when I first started Gordon Strachan was the manager 0203 yep. and at that point in time Staplewood was little more than a field and a mm. car park a very small bit of gravel car park as well at that and there was no security there's no press office you just turned up and you you stood and watched them train and then they uh, had a shower and they walked to the canteen for their lunch. And when they walked past, you would just say to them, or, you know, would you stop and have a chat if you wanted to speak to them? And they'd either say yes or no. And you did interview them and go from there as whereas obviously now the world is completely and utterly different. And some of those interactions are different in terms of, you know, managers. I don't think there's anybody who I've actively disliked, as it were. There's just some that I've got on better with i would say mm. um probably harder people to deal with gordon strachan was was very very hard to deal with i'm very grateful for the experiences i had with gordon strachan when i look back now with the benefit of hindsight because i think it really made me sort of come of age into that job but it was it early was in your career and everything well yeah it was an absolute baptism of fire and like <laughs> i said i wasn't i don't think i was fully prepared or ready for the job and the first assignment effectively i got was that i took sort of agreed to do the job just at the end of the previous season sort of over and over the summer and i basically just got dispatched off to the pre-season tour which was uh in the very northern wilderness of sweden um and because obviously all of them had been away as well i'd never met strachan i'd never you know i hadn't really met many of the players there'd also been a bit of friction um between strachan and the and the previous incumbent before i took over and so I walked straight into an absolute nightmare, which I didn't really fully anticipate at the time. And the first day on the job, I just pitched up at where they were training and was like, well, you know, I suppose I'll try and speak to Strachan and, and you know, afterwards and then speak to some of the players because I don't really have any other option. And about halfway through the training, Strachan sat all the players down on the on the side of the pitch while, while they were having a drink and just marched over and went absolutely ballistic i mean totally just mad there were arms flailing there was his face was bright red with rage he was just i mean it was largely incomprehensible but it was pretty obvious he wasn't very happy and kind of strachan was the most difficult manager to deal with and that was just the start of a difficult period with gordon because he was very intense but actually having to deal with that um like a lot of people who dealt with ferguson said once you dealt with ferguson nothing ever worried you after that 
And that was exactly the same with Strachan. Once I dealt with that and kind of come to terms with it, yeah. you suddenly realise, oh, most people aren't like that. And actually, then the confidence that gives you in your career and your ability to have relationships with all these different types of characters and things is fine because you 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 suddenly you have a appreciation of how to handle it and how to handle yourself as well. And so he did teach me a lot. So that was that was interesting. Um, probably the biggest low though I've, I've got to say and just be totally candid about it was the two and a half years that the echo was banned yeah i was thinking um, about that mr cortese yes yeah i mean i still to this day don't really know why um because it didn't really ever get properly explained didn't uh, it? it originally came from something to do with the new training ground plans or something didn't it if i remember well i mean there was there was but a, not from you specifically you. yeah no but i mean what happened there was that the uh, training ground plans for the redevelopment were submitted to New Forest Council. And we didn't do anything on it to start with um, on behest of the club. But then the plans went through the council. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they were talked about in a public forum, a council meeting, where they were discussed and debated. They were then put on the council's website. Um, and obviously then, of course, you know, fans are talking about it. It's, they were posted all over social media, et cetera, et cetera. And at that point, we said to Saints, well, look, we're going to have to do something about this now because this is, you know, it's not just things that we've heard that we've put to you. This is in the public domain. And basically, because they didn't want us to do it is is kind of how that developed because we didn't really have a choice. You can't, if it's in the public domain and people know about it, yeah. it's available to freely view on a council's website. You can't not run it you look ridiculous so so we did and that's how it kind of started but even that didn't seem that bad it was just a bit of a oh, I wish you wouldn't have done that type thing and then the band sort of came as I remember like a little bit further down the road but obviously the fact that it continued for so long for no real reason because there wasn't really even after a while nobody could even remember what had happened or even that argument had happened in the first <laughs> place or, or why it was going on and that was really for me a very challenging time because obviously we were trying to cover saints still at the same level but but without as much access and also when i look back even more disappointing time because that was the time that obviously they got their back-to-back promotions and in my memories of things there's a bit of a blank there where there should be probably the best times in which Mm. i covered the club and it was for no good reason it wasn't even for a reason um that that was taken away from me and i you know i move on pretty quickly in life but i do still have a bit of bitterness about that to be honest and from everything that i saw and heard i I don't think that what happened and the experience i had with cortese from a distance was uh unique or dissimilar to what some other people experienced and i still maintain if people ask me that in my personal opinion, I think he was not a good person for Southampton Football Club, and I don't think he did good things a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and I think one or two troubles that have gone along the line do still stem back from some of the things he did. And yeah, I kind of look back, and that's the real one. I, I can't even say it's a regret as such because but we tried everything. I tried everything to sort that situation out, moved heaven and earth to try and sort that situation out over numerous times. So many approaches to try and smooth the path or to 
to do things and, and to continually be told it's kind of nothing to do with you really. Mm. Um, but you're the one who ultimately is the one who's suffering. Um, it's quite hard to take and quite hard to deal with. And what was especially galling for me in all of that scenario was that when the administration was happening, we had a, a cabal of people in the echo and we all basically, and it wasn't deliberate, but just the way it broke down, we all kind of were talking to one of the potential takeover parties. Yeah. So we had contacts there and through uh, a mutual friend and, and another contact, my just happened to be the Swiss consortium, which obviously ended up taking over. Mm. And I also know what I personally did to help that takeover happen. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that I did, some of the, you know, little, they're not huge things, but the smoothing of the way things, the, a couple of contacts, introductions that I made behind the scenes, a few stories that I agreed not to run. Um, that I was perfectly entitled to just because they were the sort of things they were desperate not to have out in the public to yeah. get the deal over the line and things like that. And that first six months after they took over, because of that, the relationship was ridiculous. It was almost uncomfortably close. And then this one tiny thing, this one tiny moment, like, boom, and that was it for two and a half years. And you're like, wow, why? I mean, it's just insane. It's absolutely mad when you think about it. And that's ultimately to me that's still the biggest low of my time uh covering them yeah all right well let's focus on more uh, exciting times then um i'm thinking highs probably numerous interviews with ral kruger things like that but look some of some of the highs not necessarily games but just you know one or two brief... holy mackerel <laughs> um one one or two sort of um high moments that you've experienced you know whether it's a person you've spoken to or a particular moment that sort of sticks in your mind and where you really felt it was exciting to be a, a local journalist working on saints yeah well to be honest I would say most of the times I've enjoyed, um, I have enjoyed a lot of it. Obviously, my first season, they got to the FA Cup final and you kind of uh, yeah. <laughs> you talk about spoil. Um, to be honest, I didn't really enjoy the cup final. That wasn't a great experience for me, but the semi-final was brilliant. And that was such a great day. And that still sticks in my mind now. Yep. Even after only a season covering them, because of the way things were, and I explained earlier about how much closer you were and especially to the players I still get to know the managers now but nowadays I don't really know that many of the players I don't I'm not that close to any of them but back in the day certainly you were you know I'd sort of I wouldn't say friends is an overstatement but I certainly got to know quite a few of them quite well and yeah just that buzz afterwards after the semi-final win was absolutely amazing it was it was absolutely fantastic and on the pitch as well yeah I guess I absolutely loved covering Saints under Ronald Koeman. It was a fantastic time. And, you know, I was consistently saying, make the most of this and enjoy this Mm. because this just does not happen often for Saints. And it might be another 20 or 30 years before we get anything like this again. And it was just amazing that that season when they were like still in the top three or four into the new year. And you were just thinking, blimey, that they could even get in the Champions League here. It's not impossible. They could do it. And obviously they got in the Europa League in the end. And being at the San Siro, just uh, obviously meeting you outside was obviously the highlight. highlight. Um, And you you met Les Reed that day, didn't you? Uh, I do remember having my uh, picture taken with Les Reed on a plaza somewhere in Milan, yes. (laughs) Or or more importantly, he had his picture taken with me pre-Total Saints podcast as well. I mean, I wasn't even big time then, Adam. 
Yeah, not like now. <laughs> not like now. Les with Q. For your <laughs> One thing I can say is I've not wasted millions on this podcast. <laughs> oh, that just reminds me of that video on Twitter. <laughs> wasted a load of money, haven't you? Don't think so. Don't think so, mate. <laughs> Don't think so. I think you got the wrong plate. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was all good. I mean, you know, I look back and I think, it's just crazy. It's like I've been obviously doing a lot of reflecting and stuff like that. And uh, people, by the time they read this, might have read my uh, piece that I've I've written just kind of talking about some of it. And just writing that, God, I mean, there were so many stories that just cropped in my mind. And I, I don't want to witter on too much because I could probably do about 25 podcasts with all these stories in them and all the tales of all the individual managers and things that have happened and stories to do with them and and then some of the things on the pitch but in general it's been great fun it's been really has been the experience of a lifetime to be honest to to be able to do it and I've been very fortunate that I've spent all my life working in some degree in professional sport Mm. I've also I'm sad to leave journalism as well because I've also always been very very proud to be a journalist Um, I think it's a great profession sadly changing in many ways into things that i don't really like anymore but that's that's kind of the way things have evolved and also i mean i guess i'd have to say another one of the highs is just the number of friends that i've made Mm. doing this and that's one of the hardest things for me is thinking of leaving them behind in a way i've had to come to the realization like i guess a lot of people who move on in life is that actually you know what the people who are my friends are still going to be my friends even if i'm not seeing them three times a week or whatever it is but there's only a small group of us that are in and around saints really regularly but often there'll be periods of the year i'll see more of them than i do my wife and actually you do become very close with them and and you do become a small group because it's such a it's a, it's not a job really it's a lifestyle because you can't do it if you just want to just do a job yeah you wouldn't be able to reconcile terrible pay with getting disturbed at two o'clock in the morning to to go and put something on the website or driving up to burnley and back in a day in the battle voxel corsa with with a whole heap of work then and then working all day sunday you could you just couldn't do it unless you were prepared to accept the lifestyle um, and so there's not many of us that do it, and I've been very lucky to have made some some really brilliant friends through it as well. What's going to happen to the Vauxhall Corsa? Well, the Vauxhall Corsa, I mean, it gets returned. You get, is there like a buyout option? Uh, if there is, I won't be exercising it. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. I'm taking the bags for life with me. Out there, but <laughs> but uh, other than that, no, the Vauxhall yeah. Corsa returns to an uncertain fate, I would say. Yeah. Just for clarity, um, obviously all the road trips you have done, briefly speaking about it before, but what what's the sort of music that you've tended to listen to just briefly on, on those sort of trips? I mean, is there, are people are likely to find like hits of the 90s CD and the boot and things like that. Well, I mean, it's Belinda Carlisle's greatest hits, those sort of things. It has depended. It's varied a bit because yeah. it's depended who I've been covering Saints with. So drum and bass or something. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've not covered Saints with anybody who's that cool. But I mean, I've been lucky in that I've been allowed to pick who covered Saints with me. Right. Um. So I had Jeremy Wilson to start with, who was great, and obviously he's now gone on to chief sports writer at the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. Um. And uh, I had Gordon Simpson, who was with me for a very, very long time and yeah. is now um, professional doing dancer. Pro- well, semi-professional dancer, but sort of also in his spare time when he's not dancing is uh, 
doing an amazing job with the Saints content now. He leads a big team there, and and he's, I think he's done. When you look at what they do, mm. um, and you look at what other clubs do, I think they do a really terrific job, and and he leads all of that. Um, but yeah, he was with me for a very very long time, and then uh, I have had Peter Howard as well, and uh, more recently Dan Sheldon, who remains doing Saints as well, and. So and also then photographers who, who well, I mean we don't have any photographers at the Echo anymore is the sad truth but we used to have a whole department of them so they would always be on the trips as well so it always depend I mean in the Corsa more recently I we tend to just have because I'm stuck in the 90s largely so I just have absolute radio 90s on yep. sort of quietly in in the background solid choice do you know there's heart 90s as well. No. That's probably too cool for me. I don't well, think no, I was no. that, it's uh, actually cool in the nineties, so I'm probably not now. Well, I know we're drifting off course here, but actually, I I did start listening to Absolute Rad nineties, but then I got a little bored of all the sort of mundane chat in between songs. Whereas Heart nineties, they have no repeat work guarantee between nine and five. Really? What? And do they talk a lot though? No, no, not really. It's just sort of news, travel, that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, wow. you know, I'm not again. Maybe if they want to sponsor the pod next year, if they're listening, then great. But um, look, last couple of things, then Adam. I, I teed you up that we were going to talk about two or three games, but you've already mentioned the semi-final, you've mentioned Milan yeah. and things like that. If you had to pick one game from your 18 and a half years that sticks in the mind for good reasons, bad reasons, I, preferably good reasons, um, what would it be? Oh, wow. I mean, I probably have spoiled this answer already, and I still think that the... <laughs> it's funny some of the games that do stick in your mind for good and bad reasons. So, like, the, probably the, the highlights were the ones that I already mentioned. The mm. lowlights... I remember the day they went down at Nottingham Forest. That I remember that oh, yeah, so vividly. Yeah. The gold and was, people like that were playing, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. that's right. And um I think uh, it was just it had been so like turgid and the whole thing was just such a mess. <laughs> How remember, times have changed. Yeah. <laughs> I was sat with Gordon at that point and we were both just like looking at each other going, Why are we here? What what like the match was going on, I was like, what is the point of this? I mean it's a complete waste of time. Uh, that was a, quite a funny one. I don't think I mean, this is obviously a recent one, but I don't think I'll ever forget the nine nil. I mean how can you cover a nine nil oh. game and never put that behind you? And I also weirdly, I don't remember games very well. I mean I think of Saints by the time you take in preseasons and all that kind of youth and stuff, I must have covered more than a thousand games. So it's quite hard to really remember them all. But I also weirdly recall the 5-0 defeat away to Sheffield Wednesday in, I think, the same season as they won 6-0 at Wolves because they were the two most bizarre games I've ever seen because they were two games that probably should have been draws because that that on the balance of play, a draw would have been a fair result. (laughs) And yet they lost one of them 5-0 and they won one of them 6-0. It was just one of those... They were those weird games, like literally every time either they or the opposition, depending on which game it was, kicked the ball forward, it went in the goal. Largely unders- completely undeserved results. And they just, those sort of real freak ones stick in my mind. Good. All right, then. Well, just finally, I'm sure there will be people listening to this. Uh, hopefully there'll be people listening to this, Adam, that have uh, worked with you, have, as you say, have got to know you over the years, things like that. This is your opportunity to publicly, alongside our wonderful listeners, who I know will miss you as well, thank anyone specifically that you wanted to do. Obviously, want to give you that opportunity. Well, thanks. I do appreciate that. Um, and I think there were, well, there were a lot of thank yous, but I'll try not to make this a long, Oscar painful speech. Yes. Yeah, Oscar speech. But... Um, First and foremost, I've got to thank everybody who's read the stuff I've written, whether they liked it or not. I, I hope that 
and that you know I appreciate there are differences of opinion, but I hope I leave with some respect and that people realise that I tried to do a good job and I was professional and I had integrity and I was honest, and so I wouldn't have been in the job so long if nobody read the stuff. So thank you very much to to those people and and the fans and so many people I've interacted with. Also, obviously, more latterly, the podcast as well. Yeah. It's given me uh, a real renewed lease of life. And I'm not sure I would have stayed as long as I have done had it not been for the pod. And it was one of the my wife will tell you she's had to put up with um, me pouring my heart out for numerous weeks trying to agonize over the right thing to do. And the podcast was one of the things that I was least wanting to give up because I've just enjoyed it so much. It's given me a great platform for people to get to know me a bit better beyond just what they read on you know on a website or in the in the newspaper and so and it's been great to have all the interaction and feedback that's come from that which is very different to what I normally have got and what I had got in the past and so I owe the listeners especially the patrons and in particular you Ben a huge thank you for that and I, I sincerely hope that the pod will continue to go from strength to strength and and that you might consider having me back once or twice in the future of course and absolutely certainly i'm already looking forward to the 100th episode which i am uh going to be at yep. and uh and on so that's going to be great um then my friends at the football club um and around the football club a lot of them perhaps don't actually work at the football club anymore but have done all the people that have helped down the years contacts and people who are still there now as well and i sincerely hope that things work out for them as well because this is obviously a difficult time at the moment both on and off the pitch but i know from bitter experience of seeing it that it's the people who deserve at least at the football club who end up suffering when things don't go well on the pitch so i, I sincerely hope things work out for them and uh, i look forward to seeing them i'm not going to be a stranger to st mary's and the club are and my friends there very kindly how I have an open door to go back. And so, so I will. And then I guess a couple more quick ones is all my colleagues at the Echo, uh, Ian Murray, the original editor who gave me the chance to do Saints and took a punt on me, particularly the people that I've covered Saints with down the years. Um, and a special mention in amongst all that to Gordon, who uh, remains a very good friend to me. And we had so many great years together covering Saints. And then I guess finally, I just, I suppose if I'm going to do everybody, I may as well. Your mum and dad. <laughs> I may as well say thanks to my family as Quite well. Right. If any of them are listening, my, my long-suffering wife, who I've been covering Saints for just a tiny bit longer than I've known her. So she's never, ever known me do anything else. She's never uh, had me available to much to her frustration at weekends, bank holidays. I've missed numerous stag do's, weddings family events christmas. down the years uh christmas always miss christmas and uh yeah finally finally she's gonna get me um for some weekends and uh not with six weeks notice having to say oh actually it's on sky now so i can't make it anymore <laughs> um and yeah my family as well who have been you know always hugely supportive and yeah, I guess there's a lot of people to say thank you for, but it's been a long time and a lot of people have been really lovely and really wonderful to me. So if there's anybody that I should have said thank you to that I haven't, I will be thinking it anyway. So thank you very much. No, well, well said. And uh, look, I think everyone will wish you well for the uh, new job. And uh, 
thank you for all your hard work covering Saints over the last 17 years, Adam. Uh, I was thinking earlier today when I was driving to work, actually, how fitting it is that your last game will be at Arsenal, of course, which you'd uh, highlighted as your favourite away day, uh, even though I know that they got rid of the ice cream machine last time you visited. So uh, who knows? Maybe they'll have brought it back this uh, weekend as a final hurrah. Watch this space, I guess. Um, look, from my point of view, Adam, I personally wish you every success and uh, thanks for undertaking the podcast with us. I know you're going to uh, keep in touch and try and drop in every so often, as you mentioned, and of course, we'll see you at the uh, 100th episode. Tickets for which are still available via eventbrite.co.uk. Just search for Total Saints Podcast. We should get that in there. Adam, through tearfield eyes, all the very best. Thank you very much. Yes, I have a lump in my throat now, as I have done for most of my last week. So uh, it's probably best that I stop talking before uh, I burst out in tears again. Obviously, we'll miss Adam very much. It was his decision to step away from the podcast and focus his full attention on the new job, so completely understandable and respected. As we discussed in that clip, he will still be at TSP 100 Live, so if you'd like to come along, tickets are still available but are selling fairly well, and I'll try and get him uh, on again once he's settled in to his new job. And uh, certainly, I think all of us, uh, Lucy, Glenn, myself, Steve, wish him the uh, very best in the new job. As uh, I think he mentioned on his Twitter before he uh, flew off uh, for a few weeks holiday, um, if you'd like to follow his colleague Dan Sheldon at the Echo, then please do. Dan is uh, sort of going to pick up, I think, a lot of Adam's work. So you can follow him on Twitter at Dan Sheldon Sport. And uh, Dan, obviously, we wish you the best of luck if you're listening. That's all the bad news. The good news is that uh, Glenn Delacour, Glenn, you've uh, agreed to uh, sign a contract until the end of the season with TSP. Is that right? Yeah, we haven't quite negotiated the money yet, but uh, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're going to pay yeah, us. I'll be yeah. in parity. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll equal gender pay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the same as Lucy. <laughs> um, so I will. Um, yes, I will. I will endeavour to be available every week to talk about this uh, wonderful unfolding season that we've got. <laughs> no, well, we very much appreciate it. Steve, as I mentioned, is over in New Zealand at the moment, so he'll be back. But hopefully, the four of us are uh, absolutely committed to keeping the podcast going until the end of the season. Yep, Glenn, obviously look forward to uh, having you on board and uh, the views and opinions. Right, next up for Saints is Watford at St Mary's, 19th versus 20th. It's uh, sure to be a classic, no doubt. Um, Lucy, with Adam not here, I think we can finally cut to the chase and have a proper answer to this question. Must win, right? No. What? Oh, don't you start. Well, I just thought he's not here, so I feel like I should take over his mantlers. His smug face when he's listening to this, assuming he does. Um, if there is such a thing as a must win at this stage of the season which I think might be Adam's whole bone of contention then this is it right Um, good we got there in the end but you know if there is is there we don't know anyway if there is yes we have to win Um, Watford thankfully took a bit of a bludgeoning this weekend Mm. so that's great Um, yes have to win Good, that's alright, that makes two of us, because I think there is such a thing as a must-win, and for me this is. Glenn, do you want to make it a full house, or do you not think it's a must-win? Uh, no, it is. It is for the... For, good. We, you know, we've got to back up the performance yesterday with another good performance, or a good performance at home. <laughs> you know, we, we, need to, we, we need to win some home games, and if we don't start winning at home, we are not going to stay up. Mm. And, you know, we've got Watford and Norwich the next two. We absolutely need at least four points from those two games. Yep. We can't afford to be losing either one of them. Um... So if Watford is not a must-win, then the Norwich game certainly is. 
we need to get some points and yep. we're not going to have a better chance than these two games. Yeah. And what have you made of Watford this season, Glenn? Because I think, I mean, incredibly, they're obviously bottom, which is uh, worse than us somehow, but uh, they obviously start really, really slowly. They then changed their manager, which we'll come on and I'll talk to Lucy about in a minute. And then they picked up and then they've gone, you know, they've gone to Man City and got hit for eight and uh, gone off the boil again as well. So what have you kind of made of them? I mean, fairly inconsistent. Well, they started their bad run halfway through March last season, didn't mm. they? As soon as mm. they got to the cup final, the wheels came off sort of thing and they um, they plummeted down the league. Guy paid the price, lost his job because they started this season poorly. Um, I'm surprised, to be honest, because they seem to have some fairly decent players in mm. all their sort of pivotal positions. But um, I don't know what's happened to Troy Deeney this year. Has he been injured? Yeah, he's, had, yeah, he's, he's, had he's, he's yeah. not around, which is good for us because he, yeah. he always is a right handful for us. Yeah. Um, hopefully he's not playing next weekend. They're one of the sides of which we are one that could finish anywhere between ninth and bottom mm. every every season. And, and as we've we know from past experience, it only takes one really bad season and you're down amongst the dead men and in the championship. So yep. I'm not over surprised that they're near the bottom, but they they weren't one of the teams that I'd have picked to be rock bottom at this stage of the season. Yeah, and Lucy Glenn's right. I mean, obviously, I hadn't really thought about the fact that they had such a bad end to last season after the uh, qualifying for the, the cup final. But were you still surprised to see them replace Javi Gracia so quickly this season and then replace him with Kike Flores? Or do you think it was on the cards? No, I think everyone was quite surprised how early they did it. Mm. Um, especially after, I know their form hadn't been good, but they had got to the cup final. And I think there was quite a lot of affection for Grazia kind of mm. amongst Watford fans. So I think people were surprised by how quickly they've done it. That said, Watford do have a reputation for going through managers at a fairly quick rate. Mm. I think he was unusual in having yeah. lasted for as long as he did. Um, and going back to an old manager is always a strange one, um, mm. especially when he didn't depart on the better terms. Um, I think their main problem, although they did lose 3 not the weekend to Burnley. So I was going to say the main problem has been this kind of D thing, not scoring goals. I don't think... Andre Gray has had the Premier League career a lot of people tip him to have. Um, he doesn't really score, score the goals that they need. Um, kind of like a Che Adams situation, that one, isn't it? Similar. Yeah, Players similar. that did well in the Championship and have maybe struggled to step up a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Similar. And both quite kind of physical players with a lot, a bit of pace and that, that kind of thing. I think, mm. yeah, they are probably quite similar profiles to player and it hasn't really worked out for him. And they've had a succession of interesting attacking signings that haven't really cut it. Mm. Um, and now to to kind of compound those problems, they've also started conceding quite sloppy goals. Yeah. So um, I think Grazia wanted to change the system he and has kind of realised he can't do it quite as he wanted um, and kind of made compromises that way. So that always kind of muddies the waters when a manager isn't really playing the way he wants to play. Um, and, and I think, yeah, they're under a huge amount of pressure and probably unexpected pressure because I don't think many people would have highlighted them as... Well, certainly not to be bottom at this stage of the season. So, um, mm. I mean, they do have good, some good players, as Glenn said. I think particularly in midfield, they've got some really talented midfielders. But yeah. you obviously kind of turned down Everton's advances for Decore and, and tried to keep their squad together. And, and now it's not looking quite so good. So um, I think there's certainly a massive opportunity for Saints um, to meet a team that is somehow in worse form than they are. So. <laughs> it's amazing to think, isn't it? And uh, just to, I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm, uh, I'm coming down for the game next weekend, which I'm uh, very excited about, uh, albeit a great mate of mine and uh, Saints fan, uh, even in John Goss, is uh, we're going to drive down and back up in uh, the two days. So it's I think it's about a 900-mile round trip, but it was a lot, wow. lot cheaper than uh, flying and catching the train down. So uh, I hope Saints aren't going to let me down. But uh, look, time to get that St Mary's monkey off our backs, Glenn. I think uh, it's been too long now, so... 
from your point of view, how do Saints approach it, say, against Watford compared to how they did with Everton? I mean, is it attack, attack, attack? I think you've got to get on the front foot. I don't think there's anything to be gained by, you know, sitting back and defending and trying to hit them on the break or whatever. I, I just think we've got to get on the front foot and mm. hopefully they'll be worse than we are. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I just think we have, we have to go for it. We, yeah. You're not going to win the game playing passive football. You're just not going to win many games like that. We're not anyway, because as has been said, we're, we're not good enough to soak up other teams' mm. attacking play. So, you know, we've got to try and, cliche time, get the early goal and yeah. make them come on to us and then maybe we can play on the break. There's no magic formula. The fans can play a part by not mm. getting on anyone's back if we don't score in the first 20 minutes. I'll bear that in mind. Um, yeah, and <laughs> yes, we've got to be, you know, as, as a team, we've, we've got to be patient if it yeah. doesn't come. We've just got to keep doing the right things. Um, they're not great. So as long as we don't make ridiculous mistakes, we'll be okay. <laughs> and I think that's the thing, Lisa. I mean, in the sort of 30 years that I've followed Saints, we've always been better when we take the game to teams, you know, whether it's a, an Arsenal or whether it's a, a Watford or whoever. So the way that Saints have been playing away from home this season has been really, really good. I mean, they've done fine on the road. So, you know, it's almost a case of just trying to be as simple as bring that away form to some areas. Yeah, that simple. I mean, we've made it look a lot more complex than that, but that's I simple. Um, I think it said it all when we went through the fixtures before we came to record. Just to and remind we Glenn. Said, oh, yes, yeah, to remind Glenn. And also, <laughs> the point was, oh no, those teams at home. Yeah. Which for any other team in the league, like, oh great, we've got some really winnable fixtures at home, that's brilliant. We were all like, oh, oh they're at home today. Oh, I see. Um, it's very difficult. I think we've said this multiple times, is that we've now got into the cycle of fans having very limited expectations at home. I mean, some of the chants that were going around after the end of the Leicester game were just, were funny, but also depressing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think people just, it's, it's quite a negative atmosphere developing. So I'm just hoping that maybe people see the, the positives of the Arsenal performance and, and they provide an attacking impetus that gets people excited and gets the atmosphere building and, and things a bit more positive because, um, yeah, I can't. I can't really fathom quite how bad our home form's been, but it, it's it's not great. No. Yeah, we can't we can't go back to the first half against Everton. We no. can't go back no. to that sort of no shots where we just stand there, no one moves, and nothing mm. happens. We just mm. just can't do that. Even if we let in an early goal, yep. you know, we we got to get on the front foot and and try and be positive because play without Lu- fear. I think. Mm. Yeah, mm. As, as Lucy said, the atmosphere has been pretty ropey. Um, you know the Everton game and obviously the, the annihilation game. We've got to try and get that out of the system, and it doesn't take much to turn people around. And a, even a scrappy little one nil win yep. will will get people at least believing that we've got a chance. And and then the next home game becomes a little bit easier. And the thing is, Glenn, as well. I mean, we sort of you know I was talking about this with someone. Is it's only going to be game what fourteen, fifteen in the season? So even if you do lose it, I know we were saying earlier it's must win. It isn't the end of the world in terms of you still got other games to save your season. It's not like it's game thirty-seven and you're four points behind, and if you you lose it, it's pretty much over. So why not have a go? I mean, ho- hopefully, subject to any fallout from the Arsenal game and inconspicuous concussion events or anything like that this week, he's got a full squad to choose from as well. Yeah, and I, I think. Another positive that came out of the Arsenal game was that we managed to put a back four as opposed to a back three on the pitch. Mm, mm. And the central defenders actually looked relatively competent, um, which I would never have predicted with um, Jack Stevens, to be perfectly honest. But to be fair, 
He's he done has well. been really, really He's good actually been us. quite good since he came to the team, really. Yeah. Quite, kind of quite surprisingly. Um, yeah, I do have quite limited expectations. Yeah, and I think as uh, maybe Steve mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Glenn, he's been that sort of leadership skills as well. Trying to, it might be new actually after the Leicester game, saying about he was trying to organise people and at least be a bit vocal and that sort of thing, which we've absolutely missed back there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what my shooter was supposed to be, but he's obviously been the full guy for the Leicester performance because he hasn't played since. Mm. Um, Stevens has come in, and whether he's been told to do it or whether he's just naturally done it, but I, I think it's I think it's important to to be able to have a back four as mm. opposed to a back five, mm. um, especially at home. Especially yeah, at home so, against these weaker teams, exactly. where you yeah. need to be on the front. Yeah, yeah, it enables totally. you to put an extra attacking player on the pitch and actually try and affect the game in a positive way instead of being terrified about what the opposition are going to do. Mm-hmm. Right, let's have uh, some predictions. So we were talking about this briefly before we uh, came on air. So um, I got one point for predicting that it would be a draw, uh, although I had gone for one or Arsenal um, instead of... Uh, the uh, two-all draw that happened. Uh, Steve and uh, Lucy had both gone for, I think you went 2-1 Arsenal, Lucy. Steve went 3-1 yes. Arsenal. Adam uh, was uh, had his head in the clouds and went for Saints to win 2-0 to uh, end his career on a high, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Um, but what we're going to do, Glenn, just to sort of make the Prediction League as competitive and friendly as we can, is uh, Adam is currently still in the lead on 10 points. Lucy and myself are on 8 now. Steve's uh, a little bit behind on 5. So what I'm going to do, Glenn, is allow you to pick up Adam's 10 points and start from here. So it's basically yours <laughs> to lose. Um, so, oh, okay. <laughs> so do you want to go first, and what you reckon uh, the Saints versus Watford score will be? Southampton two, Watford nil. Southampton two, a clean, sh- a rare clean sheet. That's amazing. We should have had you on the pod permanently a long, long time ago. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the score that's come in from the other side of the world from Mr. Grant is Saints to win two one. So there's a lot of positivity there. Uh, Lucy, what do you reckon? Saints to win three one. 3-1, excellent, alright um, I was going to go for 2-1 Saints but bearing in mind I'm coming down, bearing in mind whenever I predict them to win they never do, I'm again going to go down the reverse psychology route but I'm going to be slightly more positive than normal, I'm going to go for a one all draw, so uh, oh, that's good come for you. on that's ben. positive, see that is good for me that's not positive, what, we didn't we didn't lose, we wouldn't want a draw though would we you would not be happy with the draw, well I wouldn't uh, it's a must win game isn't it, so, well, exactly deep down, come, come on, on Saints, come on you really want to do a win, do a win, go for a win well yeah but what if it did finish one on one, I've realised I've lost down three points. What's more important? I know you're right. Right, come on, two one Saints then. Yes. If they lose now, that's my fault. Well, thanks for listening to TSP. It's been uh, an emotional week, but uh, we've all got through it, I think, just thanks to Lucy and Glenn for their time and thoughts, and also to Adam for his exit reflections. The three of us, providing I make it safely back up the M6 next weekend, will be here again, when Matt Markstone from the Southampton Delivery Podcast will also helpfully be joining us with uh, Steve away for his second week. Until then, there's no 90 send-off this week, simply, as Adam wrote in his wonderful Echo piece on Thursday, keep marching in.
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gays wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. 